Hello, and welcome to Femme On Poetry Theater. I'm your host, Ada McCartney. Each episode features an interview with a fellow poet wherein we exchange news, share work, speak on inspiration and dialogue about the process of etymological transformation. Thank you for joining us. Hello, and welcome to the Femme On Poetry Theater. I am your host, Ada McCartney, and I'm delighted to be joined for today's second episode by the poet Swanee Astrid. Multi-talented. You're far more than a poet, but that's what I that's what I see you as in my in my heart and in my mind. Um, I feel so like welcome, that's my Swanee. primary relationship to the world. So yeah, let's lead with that. Let's. Um, on that note, would you like to talk a little bit about your poetry origin story and and yourself as as a poet or as a human? Yeah, well, my poetry origin story has a very distinct moment. Um, and, you know, it's one that is very close and personal. So, you know, we're just going to jump right off the bat and be vulnerable, y'all. <laughs> Um, so yeah, my poetry moment came to me when I was, I think, 17. And I was struggling so hard with my chemistry homework. And I was struggling so hard. Um, I had just returned to school. Um, and maybe, maybe I was 16, actually. Anyway, I had just returned um, to school from like a, a leave of absence. Um, because my mother, she had been diagnosed with um, acute myelogenous leukemia, um, stage six, the year before. And so um, we we had taken time off school. We came back. She passed um, on February 2nd, 2005, which I learned later was in bulk. And that kind of you know, knowledge really helped um, develop more of an ancestor relationship and progress the grief um, that was locked up there. But um, yeah, so, you know, I was just in that place of like being a teenage girl who had just lost her mom, who was a, a really like impactful person in my life. And really both of my parents um, polyglots and loved to read and um, we lived in Sacramento. So like we would go to the Bay area for, you know, literally every impressionist exhibit. <laughs> um, but you know, that, that was all a beautiful thing. So, you know, they really brought art into my life and my mother in particular, just in the way that moms, um, can sometimes really just hold such a primary space in our lives. Um, so yeah, I was just like having a total moment where, you know, before, more everything unraveled I was like honors an AP student I actually wanted to be a veterinarian <laughs> um and go into zoology and like big cats you know what I mean lions <laughs> and tigers and jaguars so um <clears throat> yeah but I was just like having a moment and um there was something in that moment that inspired me to write poetry maybe it was her spirit maybe it was just the spirit of poetry itself um mm -hmm. But I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not getting this done anyway. So I sort of flung it across the room and grabbed up, you know, a different notebook and wrote this poem <clears throat> that was like, you know, sort of likening her to a lighthouse. And um, she loved the ocean and, mm -hmm. and just being the daughter of 
the qualities that I so admired and have tried to emulate in life. So, I mean, that was my poetry moment. And when I was done, I felt catharsis, you know, going from the depths of despair to catharsis. I was like, what the fuck just happened? Like, I feel okay now. I thought that I would never, you know, and it comes in waves, right? But I finally had a resolution to this, like, just grief and despair that I was feeling for for months. <clears throat> so I was like, holy shit, if poetry can do that, if it can heal me, it can heal the world. Mm. I, had, I had that moment that, like, Diane Prima talks about in her poetry um, where she's like heal me heal you heal us heal we and it just mm. that really great sort of incantatory piece um so yeah that was it and so you know I really wasn't doing my chemistry homework I wasn't really doing a lot of other homework to be honest with you um but you know I I think classes started for me with zero period so, you know, I would get there, I'd sort of wake up through that time. First period, I'd start writing a poem. By third period, I'd kind of be editing it. And then by fourth period, I was like, you know, I'd written a new poem. And that was kind of how my days in school would pass until one day, my English teacher, Catherine Herner, bless her so much. She was like, I need to see something from you literally anything to grade. Um, Cause it was like, you know, halfway in the semester, we're supposed to get those midterm reports. And she's like, I just don't have anything for you. So I handed her the poem that I had been working on that day. And she was like, okay, new task. Rather than <laughs> trying to catch up on everything, you are going to do the literary journal for the rest of the semester. And, um, I really need you to like, you know, help and like hustle on it because the two girls who were supposed to be doing it have been flirting with the library TA the whole time. So nothing oh, had gotten done. <laughs> um, so I was like, all right. So, you know, from like three to about six o'clock, I would be staying after school and I'd be kind of going through all of the submissions and like, you know, talking up the AP te uh, art teacher to like get some of her students work. Um and I was like, wow, I can, <clears throat> you know, I, I mean, I love books. I've read them all the time. Um, I'm doing this right now. Like, this is something that I could turn into a career um, in publishing and writing and just, you know, it's what I loved and was passionate about. And, you know, it's the perfect, reading is the perfect, it is the perfect escape. Mm, that is the truth. Mm -hmm. The perfect escape and the perfect lens the perfect connection point the perfect way to see something outside of your own little self well communication is can be a really challenging art and so you know um and especially for me who's like very I'm, I'm a double water sign in my top three so I'm a very like kind of very sensitive, very emotional, like Lake Tahoe, don't know the depths of this water kind of <laughs> individual. So, you know, I mean, like, I kind of joke, but it's very real. Poetry is my emotional language. Mm. So 16 years old, having this cathartic epiphany 
finding a way to channel that in school, which I know after the loss of a loved one, and I imagine after the loss of a parent, feels pretty lame and pretty pointless, uh, or can. Um, did you ever look, Have it sounds like you've never looked back. It was, uh, it was that epiphany and this is it from here on. Um, I think yeah. that that is definitely uh, an accurate assessment you've done there. Um, I mean, I just needed something and I, it was kind of like a shooting star kind of in my life, right? Like a sort of, um, there were only a few months, maybe less le left in the semester. And like, actually, I remember it was right around Easter. So like April. Mm. So it was like, really like time was narrowing down. And I was like, okay, well maybe I'll like go down to LA and like do modeling and join the 27 club. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I might as well live hard and die young. Um, and, but yeah, no, that was doing the literary journal was very much like for me, um, an arrow flying from the, from the bow. Um, and it's given me some really good direction. And, you know, I mean, now that I'm in my mid thirties, you know, twice as much time has passed, like, you know, that I've been writing poetry and not, um, uh, you know, like one thinks about more long-term goals, um, <clears throat> such as career, you know, <laughs> perhaps retiring one day, or at least having the option to, you know, um, every poet that I have known has, I don't think that they would give up on it anyway. You know what I mean? Like, even mm -hmm. if they could retire, no one really retires from doing art. Um, no. but definitely growing older, you know, like it's a practice that I've had for almost 20 years now. And, uh, that, changes over time like with whatever practice you've got going on and how you're relating it to your life and and stuff like that and uh you know what I was feeling a lot um when I was 16 um just from where I was living and my peers was just like apathy you know something like that really really opens up your worldview and um you know uh just and <clears throat> it was a big school um a big high school like, yeah there were like 600 kids in my graduating class holy so smokes our, our high school is like a college campus basically and um you know it outgrew its size very quickly they started building construction on a second high school like before i graduated i think so um yeah it was a big place and just there was a lot of just you know um like it was an affluent place and you know affluence does kind of create like a mm, I don't know just <clears throat> there are, are a lot of different kinds of suffering and you know but like affluence has a way of I don't know like creating a shield in some ways um mm -hmm. from being affected by the trials of others and and empathy that was my experience at Folsom High School anyway. Your high school is actually bigger than any college, any class that I have ever, your graduating class is bigger than any college class or any class I've ever been a part of. My high school graduating class, I think was like 50 people once Damn. it was all said and done. Um, but I'm struck by 
you've been a you've been now a poet longer than you have not been a poet as you have been alive mm -hmm. um and it it strikes me that moving moving through that space and then moving to a space like you're you're now at Naropa you you've been in Iowa you've been in Naropa and I I think you said something really really that struck me about the option to retire which I think for for artists, creators, myself at least, is just this sort of euphemism for the security to one day not have to hustle. Mm. Um, and um, I'm curious as we're as we're coming into this new moon weekend and kind of like shaping mm. new and new thoughts and intentions for the time to come. Where where are you at in your relationship with your practice now? I'm getting back into relationship with the practice. Um, you know, uh, sometimes the life and it's many logistics kind of take over. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, right now I'm looking for those small opportunities to create um like for example i i picked up a part-time gig at whole foods <laughs> um as an in-store shopper because i just kind of needed to uh you know i'm saving up for this larger adventure um in the fall to continue my education um but you know also the the employee discounts don't suck the you know the coffee card with the 50 cent drip oh my god i love that it's the best <laughs> <laughs> um writer's fuel you know um mm -hmm. but so the, the so the point is that with this with this job you know you're like in store shopping you're putting things in bags and there's a convention when you seal the bags with these stickers it has like sort of a randomly generated word and then it says like bag one of six or you know whatever so um my my small window of creation that i'm taking is like jotting down all of these words Ooh. that that come out to me like as a like like weirdo corporate oracle you know what i mean <laughs> um just jotting down the words and then using those um in poems right now i've just been like jotting and tracking the words and um you know but the point is to then incorporate them into a series so <clears throat> um like like that you know small joys like that um and then of course there's the larger uh work that i'm doing because you gotta have like your candy but then you know there's you gotta be nutritious indeed um, balance is everything yeah, I use food words a lot to describe writing and craft. Um, but uh, you're also yeah, so a chef. I I say I'm a chef du maison. I don't know that I could necessarily du claim of the house mm. <laughs> rather than like um, a chef du personnel. You know, like an executive chef in a line. But um, yeah, uh, wild crafting is definitely my jam. So, but, uh, the writing that is more my, my bread and butter is Valkyrie Poetics, um, which Ada, you were the lovely editor, um, for the Wisdom Body chapbook that we did. Um, so, um, you know, writing around that right now has been pretty just like, 
non-creative but very exploratory um and um I'm just kind of feeling out the edges and where to widen um the conversation and um a lot of that has happened through conversation with others so I mean my my practice I guess you could say is really integrated in just also how I build community um so uh, yeah um exploratory but not creative right like are those two things really different (laughs) (laughs) I mean it's not creative in the sense that like I do have work that's adjacent um that that, you know is like so so this um Valkyrie Poetics was the first one that we're gonna do and then um we're gonna uh do um sort of where I'm at uh with this translation project um centering around Brunhilde of the Volsung saga um who I talk about you know a, a bit in Valkyrie Poetics she's very central to how everything has emerged for me quite quite literally um um and this was some a project that I started as a graduate student at Narapa um before I started working there and has been on a bit of a hold because you know uh I it's a important to have discourse community people who are like close to you in doing and in conducting interested in the same scholarship um but then also you know like I'm definitely a primary source kind of gal um and part of all three poetics is in exploring um the inherent ecology to in old norse language so so um you know we have to keep in mind that a lot of the sagas and poems that we have from <clears throat> the the nordic area um was written down once everything had been christianized once christianity had like made it through like to all the way to greenland and um so these things are written by folks who are either like monks or you know have a christianized mindset whether it is still integrated with polytheism you know like um i have some friends in iceland who are very much um like animate like Norse animist Nordic Nordic animist um and have connections with the energies of like Freya and Odin and but also you know when when Mary was introduced it was like oh wow yeah we need a compassionate god (laughs) Mm. um so you know there's been that level of adoption and integration while certain things like witchcraft being very taboo anyway the point is all to say that um you know uh, it's challenging trying to translate much less master um a dead language (laughs) um so you know where i'm at with that is um i've um i've applied to a graduate program in iceland to like work and develop more of my language skills with Old Norse so that as I um, encounter the text and go to primary texts that I can really look at the language and decipher it for myself without the that those lenses of a Christianity b academia c (laughs) um, misogyny (laughs) Mm. um so that that is really sort of like the centerpiece in a lot of ways 
Um, and then um, another, the the third one that we're going to do is just a sort of collection of my own um, vulva poems as I relate to, um, I guess, being on the path of a, of a magical person within a Norse sort of framework. One of my favorite moments in your chapbook, Valkyrie Poetics, is when you talk about the 21st century Valkyrie, or I think you say, you say it much more beautifully than it's, than I'm paraphrasing, but the necessity and, and also the, the beauty and act of of the 21st century Valkyrie, the warrior, beyond beyond sort of generalized magical person. Um, mm -hmm. I And I wonder, that was something that was totally new to me. Um, and I remember when you first were talking about vulva, vulvic poetry, I very much thought you meant vulva, as in the blameless, the thing that we all have, that we female, uh, beings have so I'm wondering if you would share a little bit more on on those two those two beautiful things um well you know I wish that I could say that there was a relationship between those words but they are completely separate but that's also part of like the beauty and randomness of or seemingly randomness of hmm. nature um, and, and how we emulate nature through our language, um, that language comes from nature, um, and, you know, humans mimicking sounds and, but also nature, like birds specifically, um, are a really powerful sort of like figure in the literature, um, and just, you know, how birds can also mimic us, you know, we mimic each other to an extent, but, you know, as humans, we take so much in, we, our bodies are built to be multi-sensory. Um, and so we take all of that in and language is a, is um, just kind of like an end result of our part of our processing. Um, and uh, un uninterrupted, I should say, because, you know, we can, feel senses but if we don't feel safe to express then we don't we become repressed and that's where all kinds of neurosis comes up <laughs> i like how you put that um, um so so you know um if you're really interested in poetry you know uh, my touchstone to that is charles olson's um, projective verse so you know just that our bodies are an instrument and um and poetry, um, the oral tradition is one of our first technologies. So um, that is also very much a guiding principle to what I'm doing. And um, it's interesting to see how poetry changes over time and like what sort of forms like and when I say forms I mean like really formal poetry where we're like counting stresses and meters and all that um and how words are arranged and is this verse alliterative or is it what is it consonative you know where like, rather than on the vowels it's on the constant anyway so um 
there and um i there joy harjo came to perform at naropa's summer writing program um in 2016 i was still a student um at this point so but i just i remember when for her performance she played the sax and she read poetry and just you know you could feel the veil shift like truly talented um or not i mean talent is a small part of it um samuel R. Delaney, Chip Delaney has kind of a, a craft book where he kind of talks about talent that is interesting. And I really recommend it to anyone interested in writing. But like, I guess what I mean is like poets who are able to, I think that there's like a thing of dissolving your own ego um, mm -hmm. as you encounter poetry and as you like bring it through you, like through the projective verse and sharing it with others. Um, anyway, could totally feel the shift in time and space and how how um that that space is really ripe actually for potential for poetry for poeticos going to the root creation so um and in um like like every culture has its form of reckoning and has its way of sort of channeling seed sounds. And so, you know, like we look at the runes and the galder of the runes, like sort of their vibrational essence um, that they sort of bring and emulate in the cosmos. And so, yeah, like this is all woven into the tapestry as I see it. Um, and uh, the runes, you know, I'm talking about like nature and language and how we derive our expression. Like the runes came through uh, sacrifice of the self to self. This is Odin hanging on like the world tree, going through some kind of like shamanic trance and then bringing this sort of mystical alphabet that is both, you know, can be very literal, you know, it's very phonetic, we can transliterate with with um, the runic alphabet, the Elder Futhark um, is what I'm most familiar with. When we get into runology, there's, it's like its own kind of hierarchy and like there are histories there as well, but we won't, you know, that's a whole other conversation. And for people with far more expertise than I, I mean, this is also another reason why I want to go to the Viking and Medieval North Cities program, fill in all the gaps. But um, yeah, my, my approach as poet is very much to just kind of see what seeds can, uh, can be unweathered mm. um, or just cracked open, you know, and um, emerge through the poetry and going to the sources and, um, you know, like what, what is seen versus unseen? Would you like to share a little bit of your poetry with us? Um, or prose, prose poetry. I say poetry. I mean, the writing that you are channeling into Valkyrie right. Poetics. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was thinking that I would read from Valkyrie Poetics. Um, and I think maybe I'll just kind of, let's see, do I want to read at the end? Because uh, I don't want to like give it away, but, <laughs> but um, okay, I think I'll, I'll read this section. 
Um, because another thing that like concepts um, that has really inspired Valkyrie poetics is like in the Voluspa, um, the, the prophecy of the seeress, where we get sort of our first understanding of um, cosmology in Norse mythology <clears throat> and how the universe was created all the way to um, creation after Ragnarok but specifically the idea of Ragnarok and like sort of the destruction of the earth um, and how in our contemporary moment, we are so close to climate cataclysm. Um, and, uh, you know, in my point of view, it's a grief process that we have to go through collectively and everyone is at a different stage. And if anyone who has really experienced like deep loss, you know that you're going to feel all of those stages at once sometimes and in cycles. So, you know, the warriorship comes in here to really kind of try and train and, and master oneself. Um, but then also like knowing what there is to call upon to, you know, like, for courage and bravery and like to do the work that needs to be done. You know, it doesn't all have to just come from within. That's actually really a really extractive and colonial mindset. Um, but that we made that man. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but like, no, like we are, are made through community. Um, self-made is, is a, a lie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's why the anti-hero is so prevalent you know, like for those who love um, Fight Club and like, um, we are Gary Paulson or whatever that guy's <laughs> name was. And they start chanting it and they all become him. And it's like, wait, what just happened? No. Um, so um, yeah, the idea of Ragnarok and grief process and warriorship to confront just <laughs> daily onslaught. Um, all right. So I'll start here. <laughs> As far as eschatology goes, the idea of Ragnarok is imminent in my mind. It wears the threads of climate change, deforestation and forest fires, glacial melt, ocean reef die-off, fracking and pipelines. According to the Audubon Society, two-thirds of birds native to Turtle Island are at increasing risk of extinction. By stabilizing carbon emissions and holding warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels, 76% of vulnerable species will be better off, and nearly 150 species would no longer be vulnerable to extinction from climate change. That is not even considering the 500 plus species which have disappeared since the turn of the last century, their vibration vanishing from the planet. As the scene of Ragnarok opens, Gulveig opens the scene with Valkyrie's coming far and wide, ready to ride to the Gothic nation. The Goths, for reference, were a Germanic people who played a major role in the fall of the Western Roman Empire, which very much still exists through institutional programming and is as incipient mm. as the period at the end of a sentence. One can almost hear Wagner's ride of the Valkyrie, so ubiquitous is it to the presage of these winged women warriors, ride, ready to ride the earth. If we were to do a roll call of the Valkyrie across Old Norse literature, in addition to Skuld, Skogel, Gun, Hild, Gondol, Spear Skogel of the Voluspa, and Brynhilda of the Volsung Saga, we'd also have a total of 39 Valkyries, all of whom have names which represent their prowess on the field. Brynhild, for example, means bright, Brynn, and battle, Hilda. 
Imagine if you are a Norse warrior on the battlefield, bringing honor to your ancestors and to your death should you need it, calling out the names of the Valkyrie while in the heat of battle in divine aid so that their strength might accompany you on this field. As Anne Waldman says, the battlefield is everywhere. And on mm. one of the occasions sitting in her garden, she added, it is also a meadow. This reminded me of a poem reimagining the scene of a battle and the deaths of soldiers in a meadow, which grew as meadow once more in the stillness and peace of a place where once dying med bled into the earth. I now look at the information of the past and use it to inform challenges of living in the capital scene on the brink of collapse. What happens in the post-civilization era? What does indigenous innovation look like? Without the conventions of industry, I think a future in which we return to the oral tradition is inevitable. What changes in the frequency when we elevate story through the human voice? Anyone who has been in the presence of Flor Janssen's incredible voice, um, that's the singer for Nightwish, I'm a huge fan, uh, knows what I am talking about when I say that she transcends through her voice, opening her lungs like the wings of a Valkyrie. Her fans have given her this nickname and she's owned it by using the Valkyrie in her artist logo. And here's where I get really radical, y'all. What if we were to imagine the names of Valkyrie here and now as we each embolden ourselves for the environmental upheaval for a few degrees Celsius? I'll be straight up about the climate emergency. I'm not going to beat around the bush here waiting for dragon blood to fall on your lips so you can hear the speech of birds. But what I will do is offer poetic solutions to modulate the vibration and frequency of creation of art to break the density of grief and around the heart. By grief, I am talking about the stages of denial, anger, fear, bargaining until finally acceptance. Acceptance is where the world begins because it allows one to fully step into individual warriorship, a mode of ecstasis and ultimately fight for survival. So what if in the coming years, we call out to these 39 for we will need them too, but we also call out to reef mender, fire tamer, mist maker, heat beater, rain summoner, garbage mender, micro redeemer, imaginative leap, creative intervention. In between your efforts to become more sustainable and close the gap on your own carbon emissions or donating your personal resources to the good guys or communities most at risk from environmental collapse, consider the strength of spirit you will need to continue and call to it. Bring that energy into your field, your magnetic field generated by the heart in harmony with the earth. Whatever this looks like, know that the ancestors walk with you, want you to survive and celebrate the fact that you are alive at an incredible time and are connected to incredible people. There is survival and collaboration, of which nature is our first ally, and know that your ally's ally is also your ally. This one in an infinite multiverse kind of planet is our mother. Therefore, all allies are also our siblings. Um. Okay, just, just a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens to the subconscious mind whose first experience of sound is the mother's heartbeat subsumed in her body, her force field, her emerging before emerging into our own? And what happens to the subconscious mind when it hears the roar of the Einherjar feasting in Valhalla at the call to battle and feels it in the body? Souls of Berserker and Ulfhednar, warriors of an otherworldly frequency, to hear is to feel, as Audre Lord reminds me when talking of the howl. And by the howl, it's not just like wolves howling, but we're talking specifically in this case, it's Allen Ginsberg's poem, Howl. For anyone who is interested in mythobiography and what Black feminist warrior poetics looks like, Audre Lord is a necessary study. Mm. Really, his lineage starts with her. 
To which I will add yet another name for our nouveau Valkyrie list, Love Strike. Anyone who has studied the rules of engagement across history will know that the most successful war is the one never waged. How do we stop war? Hmm. What is the antidote to violence? What can still the hand wielding the weapon? If I were to leave you all with any remaining wisdom that I have gleaned, and I'm sorry, I have no need to share with you. Uh, it would be to quote the goddess Freya, who gave me these words as boon through my own personal gnosis. Strike love into the heart of the enemy. And looking at this as a possible line for poetry, I would break it up to give space to explore the relational grammar and ecology of this line. Love, heart, enemy are the inhabitants of this field and can be brought closer or farther apart. Strike love into the heart of the enemy. Or strike love into the heart of the enemy. Or strike love into the heart of the enemy. As you hear these, what do you feel? Does your memory engage a past recent conflict? And really, what is the enemy but the unfamiliar, the estranged? To echo the words of Diane de Prima, you can heal yourself, you can also heal me, you can heal your neighbor, and together we can heal this planet. Mm. Um, I'm going to link these poems that you mentioned in the show notes for anybody who's curious about Audre Lorde, Alan G., Diane de Prima. Um, one of my favorite things, and we can't, as we're listening, we can't, we can hear you playing with the punctuation of that sentence, but I think it does something really beautiful and artful on the page too. Um, so anybody who is curious about more of Swanee's work, I highly recommend Valkyrie Poetics. Um, I found it instructive and far more than entertainment, but entertaining is also a word that comes to mind mm -hmm. um, because I'm just, delighted by the playful sensibility that you come to words with in relation to grief and warriorship there can also be this playful playfulness and joy and experimentation that has definitely come through a lot of internal work um and like you know what does it mean to be joyful or find joy when like you know you're just maybe you're actually just sad like just really sad like who are you at your core like honestly I think that I might just be kind of like a little bit of a sad person <laughs> um at my core but uh you know the way of the warrior is to find ways through that and to um you know there's a process in um loneliness where you know it changes your are you lonely or are you alone mm -hmm. um and sort of sitting with that and debating it personally and philosophically you know like yeah um what does how do i define loneliness for myself for me what does it mean to be alone um, and there is a lot of empowerment that comes through that. And the warrior recognizes the duality of being, that they are both um, alone and also completely held and completely surrounded. And I will say that, you know, when I really started like learning plants to start foraging and do wild crafting, 
um when i started learning the plants that were on the trail i was just like the forest suddenly felt more like home and i was like all my friends are here <laughs> you know like i knew i i was like hey what's up strawberry um hey yarrow how are you um you know all the and all the tree and mushroom friends and just um you know learning that they all have a relationship how they all have a relationship if you want to find mushrooms you need to learn your trees mm. and if you love your mushrooms you should take care of your trees and stop climate change the end <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> um but um yeah and also that like when you even if you lose or don't have your biological mother maybe you never did um you know there's still you know it, it, it's not quite the kind of gratification of being able to pick up the phone and being like i hey i really need your advice <laughs> um but it's really more also just the understanding that like yeah i think losing my mother at such a young age uh really made me see look you know see um see the places where i was nurtured and held and you know nature is has just always been that place and uh yeah so mother nature mother nature your reading came a little bit full circle speaking on birds and i'm I'm appreciating the spiral back to Mother Nature here. Um, I've been, my uh, Aikido practice has been really reinvigorated over since the end of September. So, and Aikido as a martial art is very much principled in the spiral um, and uh, just that motion and using it um, to, you know, manipulate gravity, <laughs> um, you know, really using someone else's balance. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the spiral is very enlivened, um, in my body and in my mind, I suppose. I did not know that the spiral was central to Aikido, but I wanted to ask you about Aikido and that practice as it as it relates to your poetic practice, because I, I know that it's all integrated in, in the larger sense, but, um, mm -hmm. but I have noticed in other conversations, how you sort of light up as you talk about it, there's a radiance that comes out. And I, um, I know that as podcast listeners, we're not necessarily going to see that, but I've also, I also hear it. Um, how, how how long have you practiced Aikido? Has it been a part of your of your poetry practice and your your being for as long as you have been a poet? No, unfortunately. I mean, I had always wanted to learn martial arts, but my mom was afraid I would use it on my sister. <laughs> um, <laughs> Naturally. So yeah. So uh no, actually, um it's actually started concurrently. Um, as I was starting this translation project around Brunhilde, um, like I, I took them both as classes at, at Naropa um, for my degree in Aikido. There's a contemplative requirement. So I took Aikido and um, that, you know, that kind of ties into the larger pedagogical philosophy of Naropa. But um, 
yeah, I was like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll do Aikido. That seems like a great opportunity um, to really dive into a martial art and um, especially its relationship to like warrior culture and samurai culture in Japan um, and how it emerged. And, you know, as I started to practice it and learn more about the founder and the principles, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually really, really complementary to what I'm feeling out, like, you know, feminine warriorship um and uh the the founder um you know it's a mix of martial it arts founded well by as, a woman no no it was it was not founded by a woman um but the philosophy in aikido is really you know um like love is at the center of the spiral mm. um and so you know there's not like you can definitely hurt someone, you know, potentially kill someone, but there is not specifically like a kill moment in Aikido. Um, they're all pins. It's all about redirecting aggression and violence and um, sort of how to compost those energies. And um, it, you know, martial arts, when you really get into them as an art form are meant for spiritual development. Um there is yes, martial aspects and real world application, um, but it is specifically meant for spiritual development. So, um, and it was, it's that philosophy of like love being at the center. And then later having that sort of um, UPG that I just read, the personal gnosis of, you know, strike love into the heart of the enemy. You know, imagine the saying so often is strike fear into the heart of the enemy and our Western way of thinking about things that has become very dominant, but imagine what you can accomplish when you don't have to use fear, but love. Mm. So, um, I'm, so these things are very integrated for me and in, in a lot of ways feel, um, you, you know, like I sort of have like standing orders from Freya, um, that sort of the Uber masculinity that has like, so pervaded, like what we think of as a Viking, you know, and all, all the blood feud, like it's all real, you know, I don't want to underplay that at all, but like for, for our moment now and our warriorship, and as I'm channeling these energies, like what we really need is love um, because violence and destruction is, I mean, well, that's just the, the path. You can that see where that's on. gotten us. <laughs> I mean, that is the war path. You know, we have been living in perpetual perpetual war and Waldman's Iuvis trilogy, you know, that is the scope. It's a thousand pages of it. <laughs> so um <clears throat> so yeah. Which you can find really a link to in the show notes if you're curious and want to yeah. read those thousand pages. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um and I'm actually going to start doing blog posts for my dojo. Um where I'm gonna, you know, it's gonna be all kinds of stuff, but reflection pieces or um you know on on some of osensei's dokas his spiritual writings and teachings that you know are supplemental to aikido um or just you know reflection around like when you hurt someone you're hurting yourself or you know if you allow someone to hurt you you're allowing them to hurt themselves it kind of ties into this heal you heal me thing mm-hmm. um so yeah um maybe we can link those in the notes too i don't know if the first one will be posted until then but one dojo blog is going to be i would I'm love that gonna write about aikido 
You hurt yourself, you hurt, if, I, if you hurt yourself, you hurt me. If I hurt you, I hurt myself. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I mean, uh, there we all have those people in our lives. Oftentimes they are in our family who, you know, they just know how to cut you. <laughs> um, and, you know, but like when we allow others, yeah, to hurt ourselves, then that's giving, you know, we're, we're creating that permission, um, mm -hmm. if we don't do anything about it, or, you know, if we hurt others, um, and we don't really recognize it, like we are hurting ourselves because, you know, it's all about connection. It's all about relationship and maintaining integrity, even when you're in conflict, you know, we're not going to use names or throw food, um, throw food. Yeah. Yeah. I like that that's one of the places that, that you went to throughout the food fight. I mean, look, I've never think... experienced a food fight, but I, I have vision it as something very fun. But as you're saying it now, I'm realizing that perhaps there's, there are food fights that aren't so fun. Yeah. I think that like, we all want to be part of the food fight that's in hook with like Robin Williams and Rufio and all of that, like colorful, fluffy, I don't know, even know what that stuff was like goo with cream or whatever. <laughs> like pudding or something. Yeah. No, but in reality, it's like, you know, like we are here to communicate throwing food. That's not good. That's not good communication. Also wasteful. Yeah um but yeah that's why that's why aikido or you know whatever practice um is centralizing you know when i gave the talk on valkyrie poetics for heathen women united um one of the questions follow-up questions that i was asked was just like you know like <clears throat> just you know like what can we do um you know just as strategies and i think that um capitalism has kind of taken away the power to claim warriorship in the mundane and the everyday and that you know like sometimes getting out of bed is the battle <clears throat> sometimes getting out of bed is the battle and also sometimes staying in bed can be a skillful retreat and the thing is to know what is right and best for you but to always try and be like, you know, improving or pushing a little farther every day, you know, um, it, like I, I had an addiction to a computer game, World of Warcraft, when I was a teenager and we just had to break that addiction baby step at a time. And the first step would just be like not turning on the computer first thing in the morning, you know, for, for smokers, I also smoked cigarettes for a little while. The first step is to just not having a cigarette first thing in the morning. Um, so, um, you know, it's like really thinking about the habits that you want to have and just like starting at the smallest denomination and Small not going steps. overwhelming ourselves with, you know, trying to get to an end result right away. You know, like with all Greek poetics, I definitely see the book in mind that I want to write or, you know, like where I want to go with it, what it is, all these different manuscripts, the one with Brunhilder and, and the um, Songs of Holy Darkness. But, you know, it's like baby steps at a time. And, you know, so like this chapbook with you and this podcast and 
Um, I'm going to audit some classes at CU with Matthias Nordig um, and learn more um, about witchcraft in Scandinavia, start weaving those things in. So, you know, it's like baby steps. And if anyone wants to take a baby step and, you know, like that this podcast has been of interest, like I am always open for dialogue and discourse and I'm on discord. So um, we'll link that in the show notes as well. I'm happy to talk anytime. Amazing. Um, These are going to be the juiciest show notes, I must say. Um, (laughs) We like juicy. I love juicy. Um, (laughs) Before we wrap up our conversation, I've, I, I could talk to you about this for, for days, but um, for the sake of this recorded universe, um, I'm curious what, what's news in your world right now? What news Mm. are you following? What's your daily news? It can be the the most personal or the what's Mm. on CNN. Um, Gosh. Yeah. Um, I believe Mercury is direct now. In Capricorn. (laughs) Thankfully. Oh my God. Yeah. I love Capricorn. I feel like I'm going to get so much stuff done. I'm like, how many more days until Aquarius? Um, to stay grounded and get all the things done um, before I like float away with with my ideas and writing Um, yeah so that's news and um, um, news on my so yeah I'm I'm gonna you know I'm I'm still knocking on wood but I'm moving to Iceland in August to do this graduate program Um, that's news Uh, I found out um, over our winter break that I did not receive a Fulbright award, which was very disappointing. And well, you know, funding is incredibly important as these endeavors go. Um, so, you know, while I'm, you know, work picked up that part-time gig at Whole Foods, taking other meaningful side gigs, um, cutting down, you know, costs by work trade, etc. Um, I'm also putting together a GoFundMe uh, to source my community, you know, like, fuck the Fulbright, fuck government funding. Um, DIY. Yeah, DIY. And um, also, you know, like, um, it's it's kind of like a carpool, right? You know, like you give to your community, you hope to ask and get something in return. And, um, you know, I kind of begrudge myself in some ways for... Uh, putting in GoFundMe to together, but um, on the other hand, I feel like this stuff is really important. Um, I don't view it as just sort of like you know self indulgent creativity. For me, this is really rooted in anti racist work and um, anti white supremacy. Um, uh, so um, yeah, it feels forward to important to to move forward, especially when it's already been gestating and. Um, you know, I've applied for a couple of cycles now for the Fulbright and, you know, like, you know, I, I don't want that to be dependent or wait anymore. So um, that will also hopefully be in the show notes <laughs> if folks um, are like, yeah, I got a couple dollars um, to throw at Swanee's way. This was cool. This was worth um, the however many minutes of time we've been sitting here, maybe about an hour now. So it w- I'd love to put it in the show notes. And I I want to circle back to, to 
the idea of begrudging yourself for creating the GoFundMe. And it seems so clear to me, not only based on the conversation we just had, but but in general, as as I know you, that that it's that love at the center of the spiral, that this is the healing work, healing you, healing the neighbor, healing. This is the this is the work in the world that you are meant to do and are skillfully doing through through means outside of the establishment. It definitely feels karmic. Like C.A. Conrad did a tarot reading for me um, a few years ago where this was kind of at the center of it. And it was like, oh, this is very, very karmic for you as well as just kind of like, um, like agency on, on the feminine, you know what I mean? Like feminine agency is, you know, like warriors and um, just surpassing gender roles. You know, I mean, it wasn't until like actual scientific, like DNA results, like technology improved to such a degree that we were able, we, like not me (laughs) at all, you know, but um, scientists, people totally more qualified than myself, um, were able to test um, DNA samples and, you know, like proved that, yes, women were on the battlefield, but not just that, like commanded the most intact warrior grave there is um, in Birka is that of a, of a woman. So um, yeah, uh, it's just, it's all very exciting and should be um, pursued doggedly. And um, I'm just trying to spiral out, you know, spiral out, May it be spiral so. up, spiral up, up and out. <laughs> <laughs> To infinity and beyond. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure why Toy Story felt appropriate there, but it did. Buzz Lightyear has definitely has his moments in everyday conversation. Mm. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um Swanee, thanks for joining me today at the Femon Poetry Theater to talk about work and inspiration and and spiraling. Um, thank you so much. I love that you're doing this podcast and, you know, it's just like, um, I think ever since we first met, it's just always felt like, oh yeah, here's a great human to connect with. And I just love how we found more ways to do that over the years. I concur. <laughs> Are we going to be at AWP? Yes. Oh, thank you for, for that saying that on air. Are we going to be at AWP? Yes, we will. And if you too are going to be at AWP and would like to record a live episode of oh. Poetry Theater, hit me up. You can email the Femon Collective uh, link in the show notes and um, you'll be there too, selling Valkyrie Poetics, potentially. And, and hobnobbing in the book fair. Yeah. Hobnobbing. <laughs> I look AWP. forward to for listeners real quick mm-hmm. i know our world is just so full of these acronyms it's association of writers and writing programs not writers and publishers i'm glad you said that not me yeah association of writers and writing programs yeah i mean because it's done through george mason's university uh uh their mfa program um yeah. that's kind of like the main I'm not quite sure how the whole structure of AWP works. It would make sense if it was writing publishers because like that is like the book fair, but I mean, it all, because it's mostly small press that all kind of comes out of the MFA funnel. 
as well. You know, that makes sense. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. I've never been to a writing conference before. And um, so this will be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be in Seattle. I was there last time it was in Seattle. So Ooh, I kind of my way circle. around. Mm-hmm. Great. Very much full circle. Oh, I actually got my acceptance to Naropa as I was stepping off the bus to go to AWP. <gasps> to, like walk in and I was like, okay, I'm going to meet Ann Waldman and I'm going to meet the other faculty. I'm going to like, you know, like, show them my charm and then I'll be accepted but I didn't even have to worry about that mm. that's incredible mm-hmm. and now you have lunch with Ann Waldeman when Wait, she's in town like we both love Zomama so <laughs> you gotta find your noodle buddy mm. she's one of my noodle buddies find your noodle buddy that's the takeaway from today Noodle, noodle. If you like what you just heard, connect with us via email or social media, and please do check out some of the other Dynamite Fem On shows, which include Active Activism, Literature for Life, Fine Cut with Allison, Fem On Film, and Fem On Fitness, and many more. Thanks first and foremost to Rhea Carrington, producer extraordinaire whose brilliant brain birthed this collective. Thanks to Tanya, Allison, and Jess, fellows in creation here at the Femon Collective for collaborating in this digital haven. Big ups to the Comics in Motion crew for forging the path and establishing the fort. Special thanks to Tony Farina, host of the Indie Comics Spotlight, for instigating my podcast journey and for the origin story question. Shout out to Super Dummy Paul, host of multiple comics in motion shows and creator of our Pop Culture Collective newsletter. Subscribe to the Pop Culture Collective newsletter to unite with kindred patriarchy smashing pop culture geeks around the world. Share your questions, show notes, hot takes, guest suggestions, and comments with us at femonshow at gmail.com. That's one word, femonshow at gmail.com. You can find me, Ada McCartney, at www.aamccartney.com, as well as on Instagram and Twitter at aa underscore McCartney. Until next time.